Hey, thanks for listening with Sanctuary. We're excited to grow in the knowledge of Jesus with you. Now let's get into the Word. Amen. His kingdom comes. I want to talk to you this morning about the king's deposit. The king's deposit. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Matthew 18, 21. The king's deposit. Unlocking the keys of forgiveness. How much would it take to fill your bank account? Now, I don't, I don't gamble. I don't play the lottery. But, man, when you see it's up in the billions, it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's not a sin, God. You know, uh, maybe it's not, you know, who, what is $5, whatever. But, you know, how much would it actually, so Beth and I were talking about this, like, how much could I do with, we watched a game show last night, and this guy won $135,000, which is nothing, you know, really. But we started spending, planning how we'd spend his $135,000. So we're like, oh, yeah, we buy this, pay this off. But how much would it take? for you to fill your bank account. Now, if you're like me, the first thing I thought was, well, my bank account doesn't have a limit, man. It'll take everything anybody will give it, right? There's no end to how big it could go. Those zeros, just let them go, Lord. So there's, how, how big would it be, though? How much of a deposit would it take for you to give away uh, to anyone who ever asked you? How much money would you have to have in your bank for you to be able to give freely to anyone who'd ever ask you. Would it be one million? You're like, no, that wouldn't even pay off the stuff I got now, right? One million, five million, ten million? Would it be ten million? Maybe fifty million dollars? Would you just be able to give to all your in-laws anything they wanted? And you're like, no, man. But uh, one billion dollars. Do you know that the CEO of Amazon uh, today, I'm not going to mention his name because of whatever, but uh, he has worth $183 billion. That's what he's worth, okay? Amazon, $183 billion. But to be safe, he keeps $9.5 billion on hand at his bank account. And I'm thinking, I could probably use that. I think I could do well with $9.5 billion, and I probably would give you all something, you know? I mean, I'd be that nice. Because if you got that much money, can you not freely give it? How much would it take? for you to give things away. We're talking about forgiveness, and forgiveness is not just canceling a debt, it's receiving a deposit. Forgiveness is not just canceling a debt, but it's receiving a deposit. You know, in this life, people are going to owe you. It's easy to go through life and be owed things. Uh, I happen to have chosen, or God had chose for me, a career that's a little more public. was not my preference. I'm kind of a backroom kind of guy. I'm not a public person. But when you take a public position, like a pastor, and you live in the middle of people's lives, it's a good way to get offended. Uh, it's a good way to take offenses and have offenses because uh, everybody has an opinion about what you do or don't do. Uh, when you live in a public uh, relationship with people, uh, you can get hurt. I've had in the you know, 15, 16 years of full-time ministry, uh, people compare my failures to other people, uh, misinterpret things I've said or done, unfriend me on Facebook, uh, gossip, say all kinds of false things about me, even our church. Uh, in my life, I have cared for, I've been to the hospital in, in the ER in the middle of the night, crying with people on the floor in the hallway, only to have that person leave our church just a few weeks later. I have baptized kids in this tank only for their family to change churches three weeks later. 
And you think, well, that's not personal, but to a pastor, man, it feels so personal. I'm not saying all that to get sympathy. I'm saying that to say, in this life, you're going to be offended. And whether or not it's their fault or your fault, it's going to happen. And I said that not to gain, hey, oh, I'm so sad to be a pastor of those poor guys. I'm saying that because God has been gracious to me that I have been able to go through all of that and have, I, as God is my witness, no unforgiveness or ill will towards any of those people. That's not Heath's Harris' natural disposition. Let me just be honest. Uh, that's not me. How does that work in our life? I think God's grace and His mercy and His love, how do you have so much deposited in you that you can give it away to anyone who asks? Uh, forgiveness is hard. Uh, we live in a world today that says, write people off, move on. They've burned you enough. Uh, don't give them any slack. Oh, man, they're getting what they deserve, aren't they? Man, this stuff comes around, right? They owe you. You know, even the news today, <laughs> we can have unforgiveness against people that we've never met before, these politicians. Man, people hate these people. The news puts this out there, and you hate someone you've never even had a conversation with. You don't even know them. You don't even know what their wife's name is or husband's name is, and yet we hate them. We have unforgiveness how they run this country because that's the way this world works. Unforgiveness. Oh, they're awful people. They're evil. You know, maybe let's bring it home a little bit more. Maybe today you were raised by an absent or abusive parent. Maybe you were bullied in school and you still have unforgiveness about what so-and-so did to you in high school. You had a serious relationship maybe that ended badly with humiliation and you've really never gotten over it. Maybe you've been through a painful and messy divorce and some knives can't be pulled out of that back. You've been hurt by words. You've lost your trust in people. Maybe you see a certain person in the store even today and your stomach immediately gets in knots and you've got to go to a different aisle. Some of you have even left restaurants before because a certain person walked into the same restaurant. Some of you have changed ball teams and dance classes because you can't be in the same room with someone who's hurt you. You might be at a place where someone can never earn, and I say earn, Never earn your forgiveness. You may even think you're owed a little bit of revenge if you're honest. I'm owed a little bit. Just get them, Lord. You know, flatten that tire, right? You know? I'll be honest, I had a, uh, went through a couple, had a very, very messy divorce. And uh, this was not in the notes. I went through a very messy divorce. I'm counseling through the divorce and this very adulterous relationship thing going on here. And the husband slashed the other guy's tires. I just said, Lord, that's good. Yeah, you know, I kind of gave him a pass on it because sometimes you feel like, you know, he kind of deserved that, right? Slash his tires, right? That was not my counseling, but I just gave it a pass because I'm not saying I wouldn't do the same thing. Sometimes we feel like I'm earned a little feedback, a little punch, a little something because this is the way this world works. Unforgiveness, however, is a prison. It causes hate and rage and violence anxiety, depression. You know, unforgiveness can even cause sickness. Unforgiveness can cause disease, both physical and spiritual. It's a cancer to the body, the mind, and the soul. And if not dealt with, you'll be in that prison, not just in this life, but forever. 
It's not just about canceling a debt, but receiving a deposit. Forgiveness is not just canceling a debt, but it's a receiving of a deposit. So look with me in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. If you're there, somebody say amen. amen. Okay, so here we go. Jesus and the disciples are here. They're talking, and Jesus is giving an illustration. And he says some things about how to walk through if somebody sins against you. You know, we know the story, Matthew 18, he says, hey, if someone, your brother sins against you, go to them in private, talk to them. If they don't work it out, bring another one or two. And then if that doesn't happen, go before the church. And so this is kind of the conversation. And so Peter has, you know, it's Peter. Man, he loves to get his foot in his mouth all the time. So here's Peter. So Peter says to him, Matthew 18, verse 21, Jesus Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. But since he didn't have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, all he had, and repayment was to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before the king, saying, Have patience with me. I'll repay you everything. And the lord of that slave felt compassion or pity and released him, forgave the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him, began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe me. So this fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, I will repay you. But he was unwilling. He went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. And when this fellow slave saw what had happened, the fellow slave saw what happened, they were deeply grieved, and they came and reported to the Lord all that had happened. So the king summoned him, and his Lord said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers and he, until he should repay what was owed to him. Jesus says in verse 35, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. My heavenly Father will do the same to you. Man, that's pretty, that's tough. He'll do the same to you. So what happened here? What's going on? It's not about canceling a debt. It's about receiving a deposit. So Peter says, all right, Jesus, I got some in-law issues. I got a brother over here. Let's not talk about, he's over there. Don't look behind you. I got this guy. How many times do I got to put up with this guy's mess? You know how many times he's asked me for money at Christmas? You know how many times he's hit up grandma? You know how many times he's done this? I mean, come on, we have family, right? Some of, okay, here we go. Nobody's looking at the other person. But, but how many times do we got to put up with this mess? In the rabbinic tradition, it was three times. They got that from an Old Testament scripture. They said three times because three is the perfect number for unity and relationship. Give them three chances, three strikes, you're done. You did it. You tried three times. So Peter, trying to be holy, says, what about, maybe, let's go a little grace. I know Jesus. He's going to trick me if I give him, the, you know, the, the normal answer. He's always way above. Turn the extra, you know, go the extra mile, turn the cheek kind of guy. It's Jesus, how about seven times? Seven's a perfect number, a number of completion. God's number. He says seven times. Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. Now, there's only one other time in Scripture that this 
this happens. Only one other time, and this is in Genesis. So, you remember the story of Cain and Abel? Cain kills his brother Abel. He dies. Uh, he kills Cable, uh, Abel, or he murders him. And God says, all right, Cain, I'm going to put a mark on you. And no one is going to be able to touch you because of your pity and because of my compassion. No one's going to touch you. Uh, I will avenge you up to seven times. Seven times. I'll go down their line. I'll avenge you. And years go by, this evil in the world spreads through Cain's line. He gets a great-great-grandson named Lamech. Lamech is an evil guy. In Genesis, it says that he murdered a man just for slapping him, for punching him. And so Lamech boasts in his evil. He says, if Cain's vengeance is seven times, then my vengeance, my recompense is 70 times seven. So was Jesus quoting a number? Was he giving you a mathematical formula? 140, you know, 400 plus times here, almost 500 times, you got to forgive him? No. He was saying, Peter, you know how the world keeps a record of wrongs? Peter, do you know how hate begets hate and evil continues to grow? And the way the world hates, Peter, that's how you have to love. And the way the world doesn't have forgiveness, that's how you have to forgive. You, Jesus is undoing the curse. He's saying, he's looking at this verse in Genesis 4, 24, and he's saying, Peter, I'm saying forgive to the degree the world wants to give payback. I'm telling you, evil is infinite. It just keeps going, it gets worse, and that's how my love goes. That's how my love goes. So let me give you the story. He says, well, Peter, let me, get, let me paint a picture for you. The first part, he tells him, he says, it's about a debt. Man, we, we, they owe me an apology. They, I, they've never earned back my favor, right? They owe. Forgiveness in the world context is about a uh, debt. It's about something someone owes you. So he gives him this story of a king and two debtors. The first, the first owes the king 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents is a lofty number. One talent is about 20 years of a laborer's wage. Let's say you made $33,000 this year, a blue-collar worker, and it's 20 years. Uh, one talent is 20 years, so he says 10,000 talents. Do your math. I'm not a mathematician, but it's 200,000 years wages. I did the math. That is $6.6 billion today. He says one guy owed the king $6.6 billion of a blue-collar's wage. $6.6 billion. That's a lot, by the way. I don't know, if, I don't know what your bank account looks like. Mine doesn't even look comparable. $6.6 billion. Like the second richest man in the world. That's kind of debt. He says the first owed him 200,000 years wages, but the second servant owed the first servant only 100 denarii. Okay, so one denarii is one day's wages. So he only owed 100 days Wages. The first guy owed 200,000 years wages, and the second guy owed 100 days. You know what the difference is? It's $6.6 billion to $13,000. You think Jesus was making a point here? And in one sense, he's saying one guy owed a ridiculous amount of money, and the other guy, he owed a few thousand dollars. And this is the debt. He's comparing something here. He's saying, I want you to understand something. I'm the king. I'm the king. And the debt that you owe me, 
because we're all this first servant in this story. The debt that you owe me, Peter, the debt you owe me, the debt the world owes me, it's not a $13,000 kind of debt. It's a $6.6 billion kind of debt. It's a debt you can never repay in 200,000 lifetimes you wouldn't be able to pay. And this is the price. Now I want you to think, what is the price tag of the blood of the Son of God that heaven had to ransom for you? Do you think it's even comparable even to $6.6 billion? That anything you could ever pay back, everything, anything you could ever do to earn it? And this was the hopeless case of this man. He's saying, Jesus is saying, you owe me a ridiculous amount. And you pled with me, and I was willing to forgive it. You see, the Hebrew says in chapter 9, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. The Bible says that Christ became our price tag. He freed us from the penalty of death and separation from going to hell with the devil and his angels. And this was God's mercy. In the, in the Hebrew, it's hesed. It's this loving kindness. The king, it says, look at there, it says, the king had compassion or pity on the man's case. For one, you think about what kind of king lets a dude owe him $6.6 billion dollars? And thinks he could ever try to pay it. And what guy ever thinks he could pay it? He's like, King, just give me time. I'll come up with $6.6 billion. You know how ridiculous that is? You'll never be able to pay that, bro. This is an unprecedented amount. You've gotten yourself into a jam. You could never get yourself out. And here's this king. Like, what's wrong with this guy? He says, Oh, you're sorry? And the king was moved. It says, with compassion or pity, it was mercy. He was moved with mercy for the man's case and for his family, and he wiped his debt clean. You know my prayer for you is, and for me, God, I want to get how big my debt was. I want to get how much I owed you. Because the more, remember what Jesus says, the one who is uh, forgiven much, loves much? Man, I want to get how much he, I owed him. So I can thank him for his compassion, for his pity, for his mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Do you know that? I deserved that penalty. I deserved hell. I deserve to be separated from God for eternity. I am not naturally a good person. I am a sinner apart from God. I deserve hell. You deserve hell. The world deserves hell. We all have unjustly sinned against a holy God, and there was nothing you or I could ever do. Their people are not naturally good, y'all. I don't know if you know that. People aren't just good people on their own. We are evil. We are vile. We are separated from God. We are sinners apart from grace. And God said, it's forgiven. My mercy has pardoned your irre uh, irreconcilable debt. It's an irresistible grace. It's something that you could never pay back. And the question for this servant and for us is, how does his pardon change us? So there was a debt, and there was a, number two was a deposit. <coughs> deposit. So Jesus continues the story and says, yeah, but here's what people do. Here's what people do. You see, forgive uh, is really a two-part word. The first part is for, the second part is give. And it means to give for. Forgive, to give extremely. It means to give abundantly. It's an extreme thing. And forgiveness 
It means it's going to cost you something. If it's going to come from your bank account, it's giving for a cause to someone else. That means that it's going to come from somewhere. It's got to come from me. If I'm forgiving someone, I'm giving them something. It's going to cost me something. The problem is, is that simply where some of us are is we can't forgive because we feel like we've got nothing in our account. You see, I can't give something I don't have. If my bank account is zero and I have to give something to someone who asks me, I have nothing to give. So guess what? I can't forgive them. I have to have a, a different deposit, another deposit into my account. This guy ain't got no money. He can't pay into my account. So I've got to give something to them. So there's another part of that word. There's for, then there's give, then there's ness. Forgiveness. Okay, let's go to language school. Ness is the status or the condition of something. So you say kindness. That means the status or state of being kind. Right? They are, have kindness. They have the ability or the status of being kind. All right, what about sadness? It's the state or condition of being sad. So if I say this person has forgiveness, they have the state or condition of having giving extremely in their bank account. They have something deposited in them. They have, are living in the state of a wealth of giving for other people. You have forgiveness in your heart means you have something in your bank account that you can give away when someone asks or takes from you. The problem is we've never received the deposit, or at least we don't believe that we have. You see, this king's deposit was more than just canceling this guy's debt. It was giving this man something. He didn't realize it, but God was giving him something. He not only pardoned him, but he promoted him. Uh, the Bible says in Jeremiah 31 that when God forgives your sin, he forgets it. It's like it never happened. It wasn't just a pardon, but a promotion. He changes our status. The Bible says from an enmity to a friend, he changes you from a stranger to a child of God. You, you're changing status. You went from an enemy of God to a saint of God from a nobody to a somebody. He didn't just forgive you but he, and pardon you, but he promoted you. How many know that? He pardoned you and promoted you. So there was a deposit in Christ. Christ made a deposit into your bank account. Some of us haven't realized how big that deposit is. We haven't received it all. We haven't checked our... It's like we didn't go online and receive it. Hey, you won the, what if you did, won the lottery, but you never looked at your bank statements or bank account? And you kept paying through life just like you always do, going to McDonald's. When you could be going on a cruise this weekend to Jamaica, come on. I mean, but if you're living, going through the drive-thru, eating crackers and cheese, and you don't know you've got $6 billion in your bank account, how depressing would that be? And that's where we are at. That's where most of us are living. We're, we're living like we're not rich. We're living like we don't have a wealth of forgiveness deposited into our account. So anytime anybody asks, I just can't believe what they did to me. Do you want what they did? You got me to tell you what they did to me. You don't understand. Man, I'm ripping them off of Facebook. I'm slashing their tires. I will never go to the same checkout line as that person. I'm getting off my ball team. We're doing this. Man, they have hurt me. They owe me. They'll never pay me back. You're not rich. You're not rich. You see, there is a credit into your account through Christ. 
The Bible says His love keeps no record of wrongs. And that love was deposited to you, and that deposit wasn't just enough for you, but it was enough for them. Somebody say amen. It wasn't just enough for you, but it was enough for the whole world. Jesus didn't die just for you. He died for the whole world. And if He forgave you, He can forgive them, and He forgave them, and He forgave them, and He forgave them. And that amount was deposited into your and my account. That He forgave us to the degree that we can forgive any person who injures us. That's how big the sum of His forgiveness is. My bank account should be overflowing because I have been forgiven much. I can love much. See, this is grace. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is when you do get what you don't deserve. I'm going to say it again. Mercy is when you don't get what I do deserve. I deserve hell, and I'm not going to get it. And you can live in mercy. But that's not realizing how great of a deposit. That's the debt. Thank God for the debt being paid. But the deposit is, John chapter 1 says, we have received grace upon, come on, grace. Grace upon grace. It is unmerited. It's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Man, I am not just uh, a debtor uh, that has been forgiven, but I have a deposit from the king. It's into my account. It's saved me. It's promoted me. So however many times you say, okay, how many times do I got to deal with my brother-in-law? How many times do I got to deal with the sister-in-law? How many times do I got to forgive my parents? You just don't know, Pastor Heath, what they've put me through in my life. You don't know what this person has done to me. Forgive them as many times as God has forgiven you. How many times do I need to forgive them? However many times you sinned against God... That's how many times you have to forgive others. So how do you do it? And there's some dangers here. Let me real quickly. The debt, the deposit, and how do you do unto others? There's a story of a little boy who was sitting on a park bench in agony. A man walked by and asked, little boy, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's crying. He said, I'm sitting on a bumblebee. Well, then why don't you get up? The boy replied, because I figure I'm hurting him more than he's hurting me. Sometimes healing begins when you get up and you let it go. You see, forgiveness is and is not a couple of things. Number one is forgiveness is, forgiveness is speaking the truth in love. Forgiveness is speaking the truth. Remember what Jesus said? He says, if your brother sins against you, go to him. Another verse, he says, leave your gift at the altar and go make amends. Forgiveness is up to the person who had injury and knows that there is an issue. Forgiveness, sometimes we want to sweep it under the rug and just ignore it and try to be all holy and Christianized and just ignore it. But it never really goes away unless you deal with it. That's why we have a thing called grace, love, truth in our church. Truth means I have to talk to someone face to face. I've got to deal with it. Because otherwise it's going to eat them or eat me. And they might not even know the offense. I, I, I might even know they're mad or they may not know I'm mad. And we never deal with it. And so one of us is living in a prison of unforgiveness every time we see each other. The other person's going on with their life. They're probably not even thinking anything about it. But forgiveness is dealing with it. It's an honest conversation that deals with the issue. And Jesus says, go to your brother in privately. You know, that doesn't mean go on Facebook and tell somebody. It means keep the circle small. Go with one by yourself, directly face-to-face. That didn't work. Take a couple more close Christian brothers who can help you negotiate or mediate that. Because he's saying it's not about anybody else's business. Go privately. Keep it small. Speak the truth in love. Tell someone. But forgiveness is not a cheap exchange of words. 
Oh, I'm sorry. It's not just moving past it, shrugging it over. It's not trying to cover it up, trying to move on. It's speaking the truth from an honest heart. Sometimes that's not possible. Maybe it's a person who just abused you, or maybe it's a relationship. Maybe the uh, person is dead. Maybe you're still having unforgiveness about a person who died, like your parents or grandparents, someone who abused you, or someone, again, that's not safe, that you can't go talk with. They're gone. They're in prison today, perhaps. What do you do? One uh, Henry Cloud talks about in our Celebrate Recovery as well, talks about write a letter. Write it down. Speak it somewhere. Talk to God about it. Uh, Get a counselor and tell them. Sometimes just saying it out loud is freeing. And that gives it off your chest and say, God, I, it's someone that, that I can't even go talk to, but God, here in this moment, I forgive so-and-so. You have to speak it. And it comes from your heart. Number two is forgiveness is being willing to receive them. Guess what? It means you've got to give up the right to get even. You've got to be willing to give up the right to have resentment. It means actually saying the words, I forgive you, as hard as that may be. You know, uh, Luke 17 says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And we love the rebuke part. Oh, I'm going to tell them off, man. You don't understand what, how they did to me. I'm going to tell them everything they ever did to me. But then the second part is, but if they repent, receive them. I don't want that part. I just like the first part. I'm going to tell them. But then it says, but you've got to be willing to receive them. So what does that mean? Don't rebuke somebody you can't forgive. Don't correct somebody you can't pardon. Don't tell somebody off that you can't make amends with because you're not ready for this. We all like to tell somebody off, but nobody wants to always be in right relationship with that person afterwards. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. But forgiveness is not. It's not condoning what the person did. It's not even saying that it was okay what they did. It's not pretending it never happened. It's not even saying it's not your fault. Because sometimes we do that. Oh, it's not your fault. I know you really didn't mean it. Well, yeah, they did. You know, it's not plagiar. It's not just pandering, right? It's, it's not just, it's actually getting to the real deal. I don't have to say something if I don't mean it. And it also doesn't mean not having healthy boundaries. It's not getting yourself back into an abusive relationship verbally or mentally or emotionally, even physically. It's not going back to that relationship on how things were before. You know, sometimes things are just broken. They're not going to go back how they were. And sometimes it's better for me and for them if we don't get back into a healthy relationship. Sometimes we just have to go our separate ways. I may love them and forgive them, but there might be not a future relationship with that abuser because that's not safe. It's not wise. Sometimes it's not going back to how things were. It doesn't also mean not having your heart unguarded. It means guarding your heart. And sometimes it doesn't mean forgiveness is not, let's say this way, forgiveness is not trusting a person who has yet to earn that trust back. If you steal the keys to my car, or you steal my car, I can forgive you for stealing my car, but it's going to be a long time before I give you the keys back. Right? Do you understand me today? Sometimes people have injured your heart and it may be a long time for you give them the keys to your heart back. Sometimes people have so broken things in your family and your life, you can forgive them, but it doesn't mean you welcome them right back without them earning that trust and working on healthy relationship and healthy boundaries. That's not about forgiveness. Forgiveness, though, is from the heart. You say, well, Pastor, what if they don't repent? What if they don't acknowledge they're wrong? It takes two people, one author says, to reconcile but only one person to forgive. 
It takes two people to reconcile and make that relationship work, but it only takes one person to forgive. I can re uh, forgive a person that I'm not in relationship with because it's from my heart. And that forgiveness is not about what they have done or did to me. It's about what the king has done for me. Forgiveness is not about what they have done or did to me. It's about what the king has done for me. For me. So what are the dangers? Real quick before we go, because you've got to know this, because Jesus says this is what's going to happen to you if you don't do this. So there's the doing to others. Lastly, is the dangers. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Uh, what happens if it's so bad, Pastor, that it's unforgivable? Man, it's just, I just, it's hard right now. I just can't do it. Three things, and I'll leave you with this. Three things that will happen if you don't deal with this. Number one is you will be in a prison uh, of your mind, but you'll lose your freedom. Number one is you'll lose your freedom. You'll be in a prison. Probably you've been rehearsing that sin. You've been mulling over. A lot of times, you know, you rehearse things. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Like the offense was like this big, but the more you think about it, it just grows and grows and grows. And then we start attaching and in innuendos and things all onto it. It gets bigger. You rehearse it. Maybe you've become too prideful now to even talk to them. Uh, we try to do things like this. We try to make them suffer by avoiding them. Oh, they're just not going to have a relationship with me. They're not going to know what they're missing. You know, uh, da, 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 da. they're just not going to see my post. They're going to come into my birthday party. Uh, they're not going to know. I'm not going to like that post, even though that is a cute cat. I'm just not going to like it, you know, because uh, what they did to me. You know, the only person in, in dealing with this right now is you. You're in the prison of your own unforgiveness. And guess what? It changes your whole body and attitude. You know, it actually physically changes you. It eats at you. It consumes you. You know, it's, how, do you, how do you know if I have unforgiveness? Well, if you start talking about it and you can't stop. And then some, after a while, people just don't want to talk to you anymore because every time you talk about it, you just go like, it's like one of those sirens. It just starts small. Oh, they're on it again. Because why? They're in a prison. They lost their freedom. Number two is, you'll lose your fellowship. D.L. Moody said, I firmly believe great many prayers are not answered because we're not willing to forgive someone. That's what Jesus said in Mark 11. Remember he said, whenever you stand praying, forgive. And if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven, then he'll forgive you for your offenses. That's part of the, even the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive. Uh, Lord, uh, as I forgive other people who have trespassed uh, trespass against me, forgive me. All right? I'm, it's the condition of relationship with God, forgiveness. That's where this parable is coming from. He says, you're going to lose fellowship with God. You're going to lose fellowship with the king. God's not going to bless you spiritually. He's not going to answer your prayers. This, there's even a verse in Ephesians uh, where it talks about husbands and wives. Uh, and Peter, rather. Peter says, husbands, don't treat your wives in a wrong way so that God will answer your prayers. You got unforgiveness in your marriage. Guess what? God's not going to bless your home. He's not going to answer your prayers because there's things not working. There's not unity. God doesn't bless a church when there's disunity because there's animosity. God can't work in that. So he's saying this is a condition for the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we're not in right relationship with one another and with God. We become spiritually and emotionally unhappy. Number one, we're in a prison. Number two, we lose fellowship. Number three, we lose our faith. Spurgeon said this. He said, if you find it difficult to forgive one who's wronged you, 
then you will find it difficult to enter into heaven. John says, if you say you, you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. You're a liar. Because no man can hate a brother who he's seen and love a God he's never seen. God is love. And if you say you love God, you have to love. Why? Because it's not your love. Listen, it's not your love. It's his love deposited into your account. In the human sense, I can't love people who keep turning their back on me or have opinions or hurt my family or say awful things about me. Heath Harris doesn't have the capacity. Listen, I'm bankrupt. I'm the, I'm the guy who spent $6.6 .6 billion. I've got nothing in my account. But when he pardons me, he doesn't just pardon me, he promotes me. He doesn't just cancel my debt, he gives a deposit. Listen, he has given me forgiveness, extreme giving in a state of living that I can give to anyone who asks, not because of what they have done to me, but what my king has done for me. Amen. Would you bow your heads and your hearts this morning? He's so, so good. So, so good. I'm praying today that you receive a heavenly deposit of his goodness. That you realize the amazing love and grace of God. It not just cancels all your sins, but gives you grace upon grace to pour out a measure that you can't even contain. That he presses it, shakes it down into you, running over. That whoever asks of you, you can freely give grace, mercy, and love.